This is Jennifer Blome and Wendy Weiss on KTRS. Brought to you by STL Medical Weight Loss. See the Dr. Joe difference at stlmedweightloss.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Jennifer and Wendy Show on this Thursday, February the 8th. Good morning, Wendy. Hello, Hall of Famer. Well, good morning, Connor McCarthy. He's here as well. Good morning. And speaking of the KSDK Hall of Fame, today at 1135, Karen Foss will join us in the studio. Uh, Yesterday, we went to a luncheon at KSDK for their inaugural Hall of Fame. And I have to tell you, one of our listeners, Ray Hofstetter, was honored. Ray is 97 years old. Oh, my gosh. And his remarks about his career. Hello, Ray. I hope you're out there. Hi, Ray. We're amazing. And both Karen and I were like, his memory is amazing. He talked about meeting Harry Truman, flying a blimp, uh, being yeah. a cameraman, going going to the Baseball Hall of Fame in New York. Is that what it's called? Sorry, my, I'm missing my sports Cooperstown, team. you Cooperstown. mean? Cooperstown. Yes. So yes. he and his wife were on vacation, and he went to Cooperstown. And he has like 100 autographs of many important baseball players. And one of his photographs was hanging in Cooperstown. And he was like, wow, that's my phone. Know that? He didn't know. No. Wow. <laughs> but, yeah. Don't you love that when people who are 20 years older than we are are they're clear, they're focused? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. He was hilarious and also talked about an assignment. This reminded me of the Don Marsh story, but Ray Hofstetter had an assignment to go film. A nudist camp. Oh. And then after he retired for quite a while, Ray Hofstetter and the late Bob Garger were in charge of the archives. And I mean, they not only knew where to find what was film, then transferred to tape, then digital, but he remembered, they both remembered all of the events. Wow. And some of the young people said now that they are no longer working there, you know, it is a challenge because of their institutional knowledge. But Ray Hofstetter... Congratulations. The late Diane White was honored, and her son Chip was there with his children. And I just worked with Diane for a couple of years, but, you know, I remember, oh, Chip, I saw you once when you were a little boy. Yeah. <laughs> she was she was absolutely beautiful, and she remind, she always reminded me of some, I don't know if it, I don't know who Lena it was. Horn. Lena Horn, Diane Carroll, just that elegant movie star quality that she had. And yet she was she she seemed to be approachable, you know, like a a real human being. Oh, she was hilarious and sassy. And she was the first black model in St. Louis at Dillard's was Six Bayer and Fuller then and Saks Fifth Avenue. She was discovered uh, when she was singing. Hey, Connor, it looks like Ray's on the phone. Is that correct? (laughs) So that. Um, so and then she was the first black, first African-American weather caster in the country. Mm. Uh, and then she went on to be a reporter, and she worked for Mayor Slay. That is, is Mr. Hofstetter? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Ray Hofstetter's on the phone right now, and congratulations, <laughs> Ray. You were fabulous yesterday walking down memory lane. Oh, thank you, thank you. It was really a great day, I'll tell you. Really, You were so funny, and it was nice to uh, see your son there, who is a songwriter in Nashville. Um, it was just great. How is your memory so good, Ray? Uh, 
I tell you what, it's hard to remember some things because when you learn something new, you got to push something out. <laughs> <laughs> so I do forget things. But no, no, I don't, I don't know. I, I have no idea. But it, it, I'm amazed at it myself that uh, I, I recognize the face. But, but there were so many memories there of that. I think what it also was, was that years ago, uh, not years ago, but not too long ago, I would go around to different clubs and uh, organizations and give talks about uh, my time at Channel 5. And uh, I guess you repeat it enough, you begin to believe it. <laughs> well, you've just seen and experienced so much more than the rest of us, and I know I met so many young people, the young team there, and it's exciting to me to see the new generation. But you taught them a lot. <laughs> well, a lot of them came up and was asking me questions about different things. Yeah, it was really, really a, a great occasion. I'm glad they're doing something like that at, at Channel 5. I thought when they uh, 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 came up with this idea of the Hall of Fame, that it would be just like on-the-air personalities. Uh, but So that's why I was surprised when they called and told me about it. But uh, Well, there, there wouldn't be any on-air people if it weren't for the behind-the-scenes people. So we were just going to ask you whatever you're taking and where do we buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I was just born in that way. You know, it, it just... I guess I, I used to, when I was a kid going to uh, grade school, uh, when I completed the assignment, you could go get a book off the shelf and read it. And I used to get the encyclopedias. Wow. And I would go through the encyclopedias and learn the in and outs and odd things about uh, things that happened. And in fact, I'm, I'm a volunteer over at the Grants Whitehaven and, uh, for the National Park Service, and uh, I greet people when they come in, explain what we got there for them to to see and do. And while they're waiting for the tour, I start telling them all different things about Grant that I, I knew before I, I even got over there to uh, be a volunteer. So I think it's it's you got to use your like my uh, doctor told me your. Your, your brain is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it's going to go weak. Well, I am telling you, you are proof of this, Ray, and congratulations again. And Wendy and I are so happy that you listened to our show. Oh, yeah. Where else would I be at 10 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> oh, you just became a promo. That's right. <laughs> Ray, what were your worst hours at Channel 5 and your best hours, just as far as hours, working hours, schedule? <laughs> Well, the schedule we had a, for a short time. We had a four-day week, and it was like nine and a half hours a day. But my hours were were from one thirty to eleven, and it was on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and Monday. So my weekend was always shot. You know, you never could do much of anything. You know, the whole group went to get together to go to a to a dance or a party. I was down there at the station or traveling around, and that that was not the best one. But the only good thing about that was, boy, during the week, I got everything done around the house you could do. <laughs> and, Ray, on our text line right now, it says, Good morning. 
I'm officially a Ray Hofstetter fan now. That's Mike from accounting. So, Ray, oh. thank, thank you so much. Congratulations. And uh, I hope to see you again soon. And we really appreciate you calling in. Yeah, don't be a stranger, Ray. Okay, same to you. Uh, congratulations. I think one of the first uh, shows you went out on, stories you went out on, I was the cameraman. Was, uh-huh. I think it was we went to a, a, a convent where there was a, uh, one of the sisters was turning 90. Wow. Uh, I think you were the uh, person on that. We had a- I want to tell you something, Ray. Your memory is much better than mine. But thank you, congratulations, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, we dropped we dropped his yeah, line. Sorry about that. Um, just a reminder that every Saturday at three here on the Big Five Fifty, you can listen to a radio show called Keep What's Yours. It is co-hosted by Jeff Zufall from Capital Advisory Group and Josh Gilbert from the Heidi Glau Show, and it's all about money. And it is February the eighth, right? So people are thinking or will be thinking soon about tax filing season, they can help you with this at Capital Advisory Group. They have a whole accounting division. And if you become a client, they'll walk you through the year, especially important for people with small businesses, keep you up to date on all the changes in the tax codes and get you prepared so that when it is time to file your taxes, there will be no panic. You'll be well prepared and you'll know every single deduction that you can take legally. Capital Advisory Group can also help you with your retirement. And Jeff Zufall always says you can't just uh, retire. You have to plan for it and think about it. When you meet with them, they will sit down with you and come up with a written financial plan. And right from the get-go, Jeff Zufall will tell you if you are in a position financially to retire. you got to think about health care costs and taxes. And of course, the end goal is to make sure you don't outlive your money. If you think you'd like to become a client, call 636-394-5524. You can look them up online at capitaladvisorygrp.com. Or listen to the show, Keep What's Yours, with Jeff Zufall and Josh Gilbert. It's every Saturday at 3, right here on The Big 550. Welcome back to the Jennifer and Wendy Show. Our World Banks of Missouri text lines open at 846, and we'd love to hear from you. Wendy and I have had the pleasure of emceeing some events together. And I have to tell you that yesterday at the KSDK Inaugural Hall of Fame luncheon, these two young anchors, Mercedes McKay and Travis Cummings, were the MCs. They were fabulous. They co-anchor on the weekends, which I, I have to watch them now. I have not seen them. Isn't it amazing how your viewing habits change once you reach a certain age and it's the weekend? It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they were so energetic. And when Mercedes McKay was introducing Kelly Jackson, who presented the award for the late Diane White, she said this, and I believe it, having been friends with Kelly for decades and working with, you know, had the lovely opportunity of working with her. Mercedes said, when this woman enters the newsroom, we all applaud. <laughs> and I believe, I believe that. We I know, you all know from listening to Kelly when she was on the McGraw show for a decade, yeah. that she has a lot of serotonin. That is one happy woman. And then our buddy Mark Maxwell was there. And of course, I got to see uh, people familiar from my days there a decade ago, Mike Bush and Kay Quinn and Ann Allred. And when Mike Bush was introducing Karen Foss, I have to say this before she gets here. She'll be with us at 1135. But he talked about how when he was in high school once, there was this girl in his class who he thought was the most beautiful girl in the world. And then he had an algebra class with her. 
and he said she was also the smartest girl oh boy. in the school. And then she extended a kindness to him, and he said, wow, she's beautiful, she's smart, she's kind. And then he found out she could sing, and he said, his young <laughs> self, this woman is a unicorn. Fast forward many decades when Mike Bush went from sports to co-anchoring with Karen Foss. And he said his first day on the job at Channel 5 when he was the sports anchor, he saw Karen Foss and thought, here is the most beautiful woman I have seen in my adult life. Then he found out how smart she was, what a good writer she was. And when he moved from sports to news, Karen Foss took him under her wing and showed him the way, and he said made sure that that transition was smooth for him because it was a transition from sports to news. And then he said, a couple of years ago, I was invited to an art show in the Central West End. The exhibit was by Karen Foss, I and know. I went, what? I'm, yeah. Huh? And he introduced her and said, if she comes up here and sings... <laughs> It just ain't fair. That's so great. No, it's already not fair because that's a great way of putting it. She is a unicorn. And people who remember her have never forgotten her. She hasn't been here for a while. She still comes back because she has so many friends here and because of her connections to her former station. But she just left an indelible mark on this community. And I think a lot of people probably think that she still lives here. Mm -hmm. Um, But she is. And I'm glad to hear you say that or that Mike said it because you have said it many times. She is one of and, I, you know, you don't want to embarrass anybody, but she is one of the most beautiful women (sighs) I've ever seen. I know. And um, and then, like, I, I think I said to you the other day when I read her writing, she was sending you copies and and I guess all a, a few people um who had asked for it copies of she a, wrote a, memoir. a self-published memoir mm-hmm. and it was on it was absolutely unbelievable she, and then the art it's it's it is not fair she's such a fantastic writer and when I first started at Channel 5 so I'm 25 and I'm like don't stare at her don't stare at her don't yeah. stare at her but it was very hard not to and she is so gracious she was always helpful to the younger people coming up. And this was at a time when we all wanted her job. Mm-hmm. You know, we thought we could do it. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> she was always, um, she always managed to be both calm and level, even, she, she had, you have to be even keel when you're on television, obviously, um, because people are, are watching you and um, she's just, she's also extremely, she's just very warm. Um, and in addition to be being very poised, which is interesting to me. And Wendy, let's remember to ask her when she's here. Uh, one thing she addressed in her acceptance speech, which was, "Do you miss it?" So we'll ask her that. Oh, because nice. very, very, very interesting. And thank you for all your comments on the Royal Banks, Missouri text line. Somebody asked how old Ray was. And I said, he's 97. He's an amazing speaker with an enviable memory. And the person wrote back, well, I have precious little memory at 50, LOL. But, you know, Ray said something that's kind of resonating with me that you obviously we have to keep our brains active and learn new things. But he said, you know, one thing in, one thing out. Isn't that the truth? It is. It's like clutter. <laughs> yes. It's exactly like the physical clutter that we talk about right. all the time. It's brain clutter. Just like we have digital clutter on our computers and it's too much and it becomes overwhelming. 
But um, Ray Hofstetter was also saying he tried to get his son into the business, and his son is now a songwriter in Nashville. I think he's doing just fine. Good for him. (laughs) Good for him. We want to tell you about Park Provence. You know, finding, speaking of memory, (laughs) finding the right memory care community can be a daunting task. And, you know, this is something both Wendy and I have gone through with our late parents. It can be overwhelming. It takes a village. And by that, I mean a village of expert memory care clinicians, highly skilled nurses, and staff for every stage of dementia, from assisted living to skilled nursing care. As a skilled nursing memory care community, Park Provence is the trusted, experienced memory care partner for almost 20 years with a well-earned reputation for unparalleled service, led by an experienced team of medically trained professionals maintaining a total, please remember these numbers, of approximately 200 employees, therapists, social workers, nurses, and other disciplines that are on site to serve the 120 cherished residents. That is the highest staff-to-resident ratio in the industry for both daytime and evening shifts, and that is critical. Park Provence is part of the Gatesworth communities. It's very conveniently located in Creve Coeur near Olive and I-270, and it's been recognized by U.S. News & World Report as a 2023-24 Best Memory Care Community. Needless to say, it is BBB accredited with an A-plus rating. Park Provence won the Ledoux News Platinum List Awards for Best Memory Community over the last several years. If we had to list all of the awards that Park Provence has won over the years, we'd be here all day. So call Andrew or Michaela at 314-542-2500 to learn more or to schedule a tour. Tell them that Jennifer and Wendy sent you and you will receive a special offer. going to switch gears here for a little bit and joining us now on the phone is Kimberly Neal Branham. She is the founder of a tuition-free open enrollment high school coming to the city of St. Louis called Believe St. Louis Academy. Kimberly, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Tell us about Believe St. Louis Academy. Yeah, Believe St. Louis Academy um, is going to be a new innovative high school, early college and career with uh, great partnerships with a few local um, organizations like DJC, Forest Park Community College, Harris Hill State University, uh, just to name a few. Well, we're going to collaborate together to ensure that all of our scholars, when they leave, are either headed to a four-year university, has an associate's degree, or at least finished uh, the first semester of college, or have a career certification in a ideally healthcare field, but something that's going to make sure that they earn a livable wage, which will then lead to a wealth-building wage. Our goal is to close the income gap for the students that we serve. Why is that so important? I think a lot of people hear income gap, but they, they're not exactly sure what it is and why it is so important. Yeah, so what we're seeing across the country, not just in St. Louis, is that uh, post-pandemic, our kids are 
suffering and they're at an all-time high with mental health issues and being able to get a job and maintain a job because of a lack of professional skills. Uh, our goal is to make sure that every student that graduates from our school has the social and emotional stability, the agency, the level of autonomy that they need to be successful so that they are able to live uh, choice-filled lives and not end up um, in a bad situation where they're going to need external supports in order to survive. And I think it's important to close that income gap once our students are able to earn a livable wage, access uh, healthy foods, mental health supports, medical help, that we'll see a difference in our climate and our community. And Kimberly, this is the second campus that you are opening? It is. It's our second campus. Our, our flagship campus is where I am now. Um, it's in uh, the center of Indianapolis. We're situated on the community college campus. So our kids, actually I'm watching our kids walk across the street right now to take their in-person classes at the community college. And then some of the kids are getting on the bus to go to internships for cosmetology and construction. So we already have a full-blown 9 through 12 school in Indianapolis that's doing exceptionally well on culture, on academic success, and we have our first graduating class coming out this June, and in this uh, graduating class, already 30% of that class has earned an associate's degree. When you say tuition-free, Kimberly, obviously ears perk up. Um, tell us about your, your angels, if you will, your underwriters. Yep, for sure. We actually get funding all over. Uh, the bulk of our funding comes from national funders. One of the biggest national funders in education um, is the Walton family, uh, Walmart. Everybody uh, has figured out what their investments from the for-profit world is going to be in their investment. One of their big investments is in education. We also get uh, money from um, one of our other national funders is uh, City Fund. City Fund is uh, an organization that brings together different um, angels, as you using your language, uh, that invest in education. Uh, one of those is Netflix. So every time we pay for Netflix, some of that money comes back into the educational ecosystem. So we've got a ton of funders um, who are backing our uh, programming. And the majority of it, and I think what we what we lose in the conversation, the majority of our funding, though, comes from traditional educational funding dollars. Uh, we have a federal grant. We, we'll get the state uh, per pupil funding that every other school gets. And so that's where the bulk of our funding comes from. We do have some other philanthropy that comes in that allows us to run extra programming. Kimberly, tell us a little bit about your own schooling and upbringing. Yeah, I'm from St. Louis, born and raised, so I'm super excited uh, to come home. I grew up in the Shaw neighborhood. I went to traditional schools. I was uh, blessed, though, after um, third grade to get into gifted and talented. So I was able to attend Kennard Classical Junior Academy. Uh, McKinley, I was one of the first classes in the new Kennard building and the McKinley building, and uh, the, one of the first graduating classes from the new Metro um, building when they moved from their old location on Delmar and Kings Highway. So uh, St. Louis is home. I also attended WashU and got my master's in social work there. So I'm super excited. And I taught at Vachon, um, when I, in my, earlier in my career when I got uh, started with education. So um, I'm excited. I've been away for about 15 years, so I'm really excited to come home. 
um, but definitely um, have had to deal with a lot of the unrest and uh, political unrest in the city. Uh, and Kimberly, if you could, because many people have, have seen the headlines about the opposition on the part of the St. Louis School Board um, to Believe Academy, uh, could you address that and, and just explain it in your words? Yeah, um, the, the the real only thing to address is that, unfortunately, instead of figuring out how we can work together to have a positive impact on our ecosystem, the St. Louis Public Schools has decided to become adversarial. Uh, that's not been my experience in other cities. Uh, when I was in Chicago, I ran a very high-performing high school that closed the achievement gap, and the mayor, superintendent, they came over. They visited the school. The mayor spoke at our graduation. We were a part of the culture of the city, um, a part of the family of schools um, is the better way that they describe it. Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't about whether we were charter or traditional. It was about serving kids well. And that's what we, that's what we care about. And I've seen it done in other cities. And I'm looking forward to figuring out with St. Louis Public Schools how to do it in a positive light without it having to be adversarial. We're not coming to fight. We're not coming to um, cause disruption in the schools that exist. What we're coming to do is cause disruption in the educational system that has been broken for so long. And we, I've had these conversations with so many leaders across the country, and I want to have it with the educational leaders in St. Louis. Unfortunately, I, I can only control me. Um, and, and we haven't been able to sit down and meet the way I would like, um, but that's the goal. My goal with the relationship with the city is that we will work together um, to solve some of the issues in our high schools and not be adversarial. Kimberly, part of your model uh, fosters agency, autonomy, and acceleration in students, and it just so happens I listened to this one podcast with two neuroscientists who were saying this morning, you know, we may learn math in school and then we forget about it until we need it and then we may relearn it. But so many students don't know how to regulate their own emotions or act on their own. And you really do something with your model to foster that, don't you? Yes. So I'm sitting in my car right now, and the reason I'm sitting in my car is because we, similar to all the students that we serve in our in our country, and you heard me talk about it a second ago, our kids struggle right now with self-regulation. And I don't know if it's because they were isolated for too long. I don't know if they missed uh, some developmental milestones. I don't have a finger on why. Everybody's saying pandemic, um, but I feel like it, it's got to be a little bit deeper than that. I don't, I don't know if it was the isolation piece or what, but... Our kids have come back to school unable to self-regulate at, at scale, and we're seeing it in, in all communities and everybody's been impacted from it. What we do here, instead of like traditional exclusionary discipline, is we take the time of staff that build strong relationships with kids and are able to really have conversations with kids to help them make better choices. So we had a student that left the building um, just a second ago because he was angry and frustrated. And although our school has rooms where if you get angry and frustrated, you can go take a break because as an adult, sometimes we need to take a break. Mm. Um, but he chose not to take the break in the safe space. He came out and I had to sit out here with him and say, Hey, you've got two choices. You can either come back in and do work and learn or you can leave. And if you leave, there are dire repercussions to that. So I had to explain the dire repercussions. And it took 45 minutes. 
to get him to understand the implication of his choices. But to me, that's how we foster agency with our kids is to have those conversations, to take the time to hear their perspective, make sure they understand the expectations, and then give them the options to make the right choice. And I do believe, given options, our kids ultimately will make the right choices. We just don't always have the time or take the time to get to know them, to build the relationships, to help them see that there is light at the end of the tunnel. And that's the work that we're doing at our school every day. We're dealing with the same kids that are in all of our schools, but we're just taking a different approach around how do we support, how do we develop agency. In a traditional setting, the student would have been suspended for walking out the door. He'd be at home right now. There would be great learning loss. Um, and Unfortunately, he'd be a student that we recognize we probably lose to the system. But we're fighting really hard to make sure we hold on to our kids and to help work with the family to develop them holistically as productive adults, not just, um, they're not just a number for us. We, um, we see them and their families. We truly believe and uh, we are very hopeful, Kimberly, that uh, that this will lead to some sort of meeting of the minds uh, between you and uh, the members of the, the St. Louis City School Board, the website, if you would like some more information, believeschoolsoneword.org. Believeschools, that's one word, dot org. Kimberly Branham, thank you so much for joining us today on the Jennifer and Wendy Show. Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care. Well, it's, uh, it's February, and that's sort of a reminder because if you had... If you if you sort of come into the new year thinking, all right, I've waited long enough. I'm finally going to start changing things around in this house, in this condo, in this apartment. You name it. Um, it's already February, so please don't don't forget about the the home that maybe needs a little refresh, maybe a little update. Call the Curtain Exchange, uh, Ellen and Barbara. You will absolutely love them. They are definitely meeting KTRS listeners, and they are helping them with just those resets or complete <laughs> refreshes uh, to update the look of, of your home the way you want it to look, the way you've always wanted it to look. Yes, the Curtain Exchange has a stunning selection of ready-made and made-to-order window treatments, but they have the rest of it, everything that goes together to help uh, complete the look of your home, furniture, rugs, accessories, bedding, uh, you name it, and they have it. And don't forget how respectful they are of your bottom line. There is never an hourly fee at the Curtain Exchange. I'm going to even repeat that for emphasis. If you've worked with designers before and you feel like you have to rush because you're on an egg timer and you've got to get a lot of information into a certain amount of time, there is never an hourly fee. That is part of the Curtain Exchange service because they say you will get a better result and everybody wins. 314-863-1112. That's the phone number. You can stop by. 8119 Maryland Avenue in the heart of Clayton. And if you meet Ellen and Barbara, please tell them that Jennifer and Wendy say hello. It's coming up on 1051 on this Thursday, February 8th. So it's time to check in with Jay O'Brien, ABC News correspondent in Washington, who's been very busy following what Congress is doing uh, regarding illegal border crossings and also wartime funding. Jay, thank you for joining us here in St. Louis. What is the latest? 
So the latest is we're kind of stalled out in the Senate. Let me take you back up to this point. So remember, there was this bipartisan deal. We've talked about it for a long time, the product of months of negotiations. It had funding for Ukraine and Israel and also immigration reforms, right? Republicans, Democrats, independents, that was a deal that they struck in a bipartisan way. Well, it spectacularly flamed out over the last few days, and it culminated in Republicans in large part turning against that legislation at a procedural vote yesterday and killing it. That came after they had policy disagreements with the bill. Former President Trump had pressured them to vote against it. And then, of course, the House had said they weren't going to put that thing up for a vote. They called it a waste of time. So this thing was dead. So that died. And then Chuck Schumer, top Democrat in the Senate, controls that chamber, said, "Okay, let's do that legislation just without the immigration reform stuff, which everyone was Previously, by the way, in favor of, but then all of a sudden in this new political system, rejecting it. Um, so he puts that legislation on the floor. It's funding for Israel, Ukraine, Taiwan, et cetera, uh, just a foreign aid supplemental for military assistance. And that stalls out because Republicans have some questions as how they want to proceed procedurally. Maybe they want to put amendments on it. They don't really know. So the Senate floor gets paralyzed last night because of those ongoing procedural discussions of how they're going to vote on this. That paralyzation really continues into today. We're starting to hear murmurings that there might be some support for this now, and you could finally get the first procedural vote on it sometime today, which would tee up a official vote on it next week. But, you know, no action is is action here on Capitol Hill today. There, this is going to sound, again, conspiratorial, but it's the only word I can think of when things appear to be moving in the right direction, Jay. And then at the last minute, for whatever reason, things seem to go south, no pun intended. But – is this a is this just a rhythm that you become used to when you are a correspondent for a network covering Capitol Hill? Because it's definitely like a tennis match. I mean, a little bit. This procedural hiccups like this do happen, although, uh, you know, the, the procedural paralysis of the Senate floor trying to get this over the goal line, how they did it was unprecedented. But the Senate floor gets shut down every now and again when someone's got an objection to something and they're trying to figure out the best way to go forward, because the Senate is a body that is literally procedurally built on everybody getting along and everybody agreeing on something. So if one person has a problem, that throws it all into hiccup. That's not an exaggeration. That's really how the Senate works. Now, I will tell you, though, the spectacular flame out of that bipartisan immigration deal that Republicans had been really behind in pretty lockstep for months. Even Lindsey Graham said to his Republican colleagues, don't listen to what Trump is saying. I'm paraphrasing him here, but wait for this deal to come out. These, this deal is going to be a good deal, et cetera, et cetera. All of a sudden, the deal gets released and support for it evaporates over like a 24-hour period. You even have Mitch McConnell come out and say there's just not the political will in his party to get that done. That was unusual and remarkable. Very rarely is there everybody behind something, and then all of a sudden after the deal actually comes out, after these months of negotiations, the political ground literally shifts beneath their feet, and all of a sudden they're against it. That was, that was, that was unusual. And to what do you attribute that? Well, I think 
it's kind of this confluence of things, and you have to kind of ask yourself this chicken or the egg scenario. The first thing that really starts to shake, to keep with the metaphor, the ground of this is former President Trump comes out, he's on the campaign trail, and he says to Republicans, reject this deal. And he's pretty plain in which he says that he wants this to be an election year issue for him, and he doesn't view this as a good deal. And then – a little bit after that, but almost right around the same time, you start to have Speaker of the House Mike Johnson say what he's hearing about the deal he doesn't like. He doesn't want to compromise. He wants to get everything he had in the hardline border security bill that the House passed last year. And so if this bill reaches the House, it's likely, because it hadn't come out yet at that point that Johnson was saying this, it's likely dead on arrival. And so those two things start to really change the political momentum. And then, of course, when this comes out on Sunday night and you had Speaker Mike Johnson and House Republicans Republican leadership coming out and saying almost a day later, not even a day later, don't even vote on this in the Senate. It's a quote. I'm quoting them directly here. Waste of time. We're not going to put it on the House floor for a vote. That seemed to really shake up the senators and saying, what are we wasting political capital on if this is not going to go through both chambers of Congress? And the question you've got to ask yourself is, how much of that is a genuine policy disagreement that Republicans in the House had? How much of that is influenced by President Trump? I think probably both of those are true at the same time. And they're back at it today? They are back at it today. The House is gone, but the Senate is going to try to vote on this national security supplemental that is, again, this deal that is funding for Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. It's the same border deal, just without the border stuff. Uh, they're going to try to start the process of voting on it today. If they start it today, they can finish the process if everything goes according to plan that passes by early next week. And then the House would have to take it up. And it's a whole new question in the House because Speaker Mike Johnson in the past has been skeptical on continued aid for Ukraine. And so it's really an open question as to if he even wants to put that on the floor for a vote in the House if it does pass in the Senate. Jay O'Brien from ABC News in Washington. Thank you so much for sorting this all out for us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. The 2024 KTRS Very Special Valentine's promotion is underway. Nominate your very special Valentine for a chance to win $100 gift certificates from Herbaria, Walter Knoll Flores, and Newstetter's Fine Jewelry. It's easy. All you have to do is go to KTRS.com, look for the KTRS Valentine's registration, and nominate your special Valentine. Four winners will be announced on February the 14th. We're coming up on Top of the Hour News with Steve Potter and more from ABC. We will be back with the second hour of the Jennifer and Wendy Show. We'll talk about KTRS Red with Dr. Ravi Johar. And at 11.35, Karen Foss will join us in the studio. So stay with us. This is the Big 550 KTRS St. Louis. It's 11.09. Welcome back to the Jennifer and Wendy show on the Big 550 KTRS. And we are so happy to welcome to the program Dr. Ravi Johar, who is the chief medical officer there at United Healthcare. Dr. Johar, thank you so much for being part of KTRS Red. How are you today? I'm doing great, Wendy. How's things with you guys? Well, we are so happy to speak to you because this is a uh, this is a topic that seems to be uh, it's becoming even more important than it has been in previous generations. Can you can you speak if you can just to a, to the uh, to the state of heart health in 2024? Are there are there victories being won anywhere, doctor? Well, I think, uh, you know, it's important, but that's the reason that we have an entire month devoted to heart health is because it is such an important issue. And 
Um, you know, it's still important to realize that heart disease is the number one cause of death in the United States among both men and women. And in fact, the America's Health Rankings did a report where they looked at all the chronic, eight chronic uh, conditions, health conditions, and they discovered that uh, every one of those eight has reached the highest record levels it's had in history. So we know that although there's been a little bit of decline in deaths due to heart disease, it still remains the leading cause of death among men and women. And Dr. Um, Joe, and, Har, how, how did this? How do the symptoms differ in women compared to men? Sure. Well, when everyone thinks about heart disease, they're thinking about a heart attack. And so when you're thinking about heart attack symptoms, um, both men and women will experience the same things, but some a little bit more than others. There's an uncomfortable pressure squeezing, usually in the center of your chest. You know, people describe it as an elephant sitting on your chest. That's more common in men. In women, it tends to be more pain in the upper back. So that's one of the really big differences. So sometimes they'll have pain like that, and they won't think of it as being a heart issue. Um, there's pain or discomfort in one or both arms. More normally, we think of it in the left arm, but it can sometimes be um, in both arms. Uh, and then a lot of times you, uh, you see a lot of neck and jaw pain, and that's more common in women than in men is the neck and jaw pain. Uh, also, uh, there's nausea, a lot of times nausea and vomiting, and that's associated more with women than in men also. But all of these can be in both. The other big thing is shortness of breath without any chest discomfort, or just sudden shortness of breath can go along with that. So the symptoms um, you know, can occur in both men and women, but men tend to be more central in the chest and women more like in the upper back and then the nausea. Dr. Johar, how important is it to act immediately? Uh, it, it certainly seems that waiting could cost, could cost you dearly. It, it can be. And I think when we're talking about heart disease, we're, we're talking about a whole multitude of factors. I mean, there is um, a heart attack, which is what people classically think of with, with heart disease. Um, but that is one thing. And in that, you know, CPR is important. Trying to get everything going, getting blood flowing again is important. But a cardiac arrest is another thing where that's really critical time-wise. It's probably the most, of the, most critical of the ones for time-wise. Um, and that's when their the heart suddenly stops beating. That's more of an electrical mal- malfunction within the heart, because a heart attack is more of a mechanical blockage. Um, then we also have cardiac failure, which is um, not a sudden onset. That'll be kind of an ongoing, long-term thing. That's when the heart stuff just does not function well enough to push the blood through the body. Very often that occurs after a heart attack, um, or it can happen because of other uh, chronic heart conditions. And then we also have hypertension and stroke. Um, hypertension we usually don't intervene fast because it's, it's called a silent killer because people don't even know they have it. There's not symptoms to hypertension. But that can lead to all the other issues. So it's important to get checked for that. And then stroke is another one where basically with a stroke, you have one hour to be able to reverse the effects uh, from a stroke. So that's another one that's, that's time sensitive. But of those, the cardiac arrest is probably the most immediate and uh, a heart attack right after that. And Dr. Johar, what are the symptoms of a stroke? Well, a stroke is... The biggest things you've usually seen is going to be numbness, usually on one side of the body, numbness or tingling on one side of the body. You can also see uh, in the face, you'll see a droop, um, like of the eyes or, or the mouth on one side. And sometimes it's just slurring of words or sudden loss of focus. Those are the most uh, most obvious signs of a stroke in somebody. Is is there, um, we've got a, a tech, we've got some text coming in for you, Dr., 
Um, can these symptoms come and go in in women? That is from the 636. And also, if you could address the age, because there's still sort of a mental block uh, among some people who think, oh, I'm too young to have a heart attack. And you're, you're really not. No, you can have heart disease at any age. In fact, the most common age for a car- sudden cardiac arrest is in uh, teenage boys. You are so kidding. I did not what? know that. No, that's for, for a cardiac arrest, which we mentioned is, is the mechanical or is the, uh, the electrical malfunction. And that's because they're playing sports, especially baseball. is one of the most uh, common ones for that. You get hit by a baseball right in the center of the chest, and all of a sudden your heart just stops beating. Um, and that's the kind of thing that happened with DeMar Hamlin in the, in the Monday night football game where the, the football player whose heart stopped beating in the middle of the game, uh, things of that sort. So cardiac issues can happen at any point. The most common time for heart attacks, though, um, is probably in the uh, from 50 and above, usually 60s and 70s is the most common time for that. Wow. Uh, and as far as the question about whether symptoms can come and go, yes, because what a heart attack is, is it's a blockage in that blood vessel. And sometimes it will not be a complete blockage. Maybe something gets stuck and it moves through. So you can have symptoms that come and go. Uh, but it's important to not ignore them. If you, if you have them and they're, they're happening repetitively or every time you walk up a, a you know, flight of steps, you start to have issues, that's definitely something that should be checked out. And it's really important to get into your doctor and have that looked at. Dr. Johar, what's a heart murmur? A heart murmur is when the blood flow through the heart, there's valves within the heart that keep all the blood going in one direction. Um, and if those, those valves don't completely close, then the, uh, the blood flow flows back. And so when, the flows, when it flows back, you have a murmur where it's, it's instead of just the going one direction, you hear blood flowing in both ways. And it's kind of a different whooshing sound. Is it is it a problem or? It it can be if the heart if, if it's a significant enough murmur if there's enough of, of flow that's not going through correctly that can be a problem. But uh, murmurs are very very common, especially in younger children, and they change and go away as we get older. But it's something that you will you'll check out. Uh, normally, in most cases, heart murmurs are not. Uh, an issue until unless they get really bad, and then then you may in some cases need a heart valve replacement. And they have a new way of doing heart valve replacements now that is is an outpatient surgery, and they can just go through your, your blood vessels out there in your thigh and change out your aortic valve, things like that. If if you have a history of of this kind of thing in your family, Doctor Johar, should you at, at what age, I suppose, should you look for a, a specialist in this area? Well, I think in most cases, being able to go to your primary care physician, they'll be able to screen you for the risk factors, the, the high blood pressure, um, uh, high cholesterol, which are two of the most common ones. Um, and look at things like obesity, smoking is a very big cause, things of that sort. So primary care physicians will usually be able to take care of all those things. So it's really important to get into them. If they discover a problem or there's an issue, then you can go see a cardiologist or if you have symptoms, They'll often refer you to a cardiologist to say, let's go ahead and do some more testing, whether that's, you know, an EK, a cardiac cath uh, or, you know, additional stress tests, things of that sort. So there's no set age, um, but it's important to just make sure that you're going in for regular checkups. And Dr. Johar from the 636, someone is asking if they should be concerned about their heart fluttering. Because we learn of at, at a certain age, especially women, 
you know, if you're menopausal or, or perimenopausal, that is part of it, isn't it? So you, you're, you're never really sure what's going on. Well, and, and that's very true. And, and heart flutter can be any number of things. It can be a, a bad murmur. It can be the heart's just not uh, an irregular heartbeat. So I think if you do start to have that, it's important to go and have that checked out. Um, and it very well could be due to hormonal changes of, of menopause. But I think that's where having an EKG done in, in the doctor's office to make sure that that's all it is, is definitely a worthwhile thing to do. I thought I heard someone the other day talking about a CT calcium scan. What What is that? That's something that was really coming into vogue a few years ago as being another screening test, a non-invasive screening test, to being able to check for any kind of heart blockages. The classic way to look for uh, blockages in the arteries is to do what's called a cardiac cath, where they inject dye directly into the veins that go through the heart and then watch that flow to make sure it's okay. What a CT calcium test is, they do a CT scan of your heart and then build a model of the heart um, to look to see how much blockage there may be, how much calcium is built up in the vessels. Um, I think it's another screening test. It hasn't been really shown to be anywhere near as effective as a cardiac cath, but it's certainly a safer procedure. It's something that if you feel like you have symptoms of it, it may be worth discussing. Uh, I know it was becoming a, a real popular thing a few years ago, and, and I, I haven't heard so much about it recently, so I'm guessing it's not as good as retrospective. And one last question, Dr. Johar. Is it possible to have a heart attack and a person would not even know it? It's called silent heart attacks, and that can happen. Uh, there's always going to be, if someone thinks back later, they'll be like, you know, oh, I did have that time where I just felt really, really weak and tired, but I just slept it off and I felt fine the next day. Um, and it's going to be something like that. There will almost always be some kind of symptom, but for the most part, yes, you can have that um, and not notice it because of, of everything else going on in your life at that time. Um, and that's usually if it's depending on where in the heart the heart attack occurs, because there's some areas that are more dangerous than others. Dr. Ravi Johar is the Chief Medical Officer of United Healthcare. It's always enlightening to talk to you, Dr. Johar. Thank you so much. Thank both of you for having me. I appreciate the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and, you know, Jennifer and I have been telling you that uh, in terms of, of your your health, uh, many of you don't realize, because we certainly did not realize, that it starts with your dental health often. Um, and that's surprising, you know, that's really surprising to hear. But if you Google um, dental issues and hospital, you will be sur- surprised and alarmed by the number of stories that come up uh, because so many people don't realize that there is that connection. Um, it can lead to heart problems. It, it can lead to systemic issues. That's why we encourage everybody to start with Baldwin Dental Care. And it doesn't matter if you live in North County or South County. Your your relationship with your dentist is so important. You don't want to you don't want to base it on proximity, right? Just because it's a mile away from the house, uh, you are going to have this dentist for a very very long time. And at Baldwin Dental Care, your dental health and your overall health is a priority. And right now, they have a new patient special. Uh, You get a comprehensive exam for x-rays and an oral cancer screening and a cleaning 
for $99. You know what? When you see the Baldwin City Limits sign, you're actually there. That's where the parking lot is, and there's always plenty of parking, and they have been brightening smiles and uh, making smiles healthier for almost 50 years. They have affordable payment options, and they have evening and weekend hours because they want your experience to be perfect for you. Give them a call. The number is 636-227-2552. That's 636-227-2552. And please be sure to tell them that the girls sent you. Jennifer and Wendy, Song of the Day. And I write the song. On the Big 550. KTRS. Bob Marley died back in 1981. He was only 36 years old, and he died from a melanoma. But he was the most important reggae musician in the world. And on Valentine's Day, a movie about him opens called Bob Marley, One Love. Here's our song of the day. live album came out in 75. Many other groups, The Clash, The Police, Elvis Costello, all started to uh, incorporate reggae. And I remember, you know, my younger brother moved to the Caribbean in the 70s. He dropped out of law school. He moved to the Caribbean. And when he came home to visit, he brought back this music. And at the time, 73 or something, I said, this is the worst music I've ever heard in my life. And my brother was into reggae dancing and I became a fan, but well, it that's took because me a you, while. Well, you were just too young to understand. It was so different. It was different, but you, you also have to realize how fabulous it is when you have a pina colada in your hand. So, <laughs> you know, and you're looking out at some body of water. So exactly. that, always, that always helps. Our quote of the day is this. A woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. So true. I think you know that one. And we're about to talk to one of the strongest, most beautiful women we know, Karen Foss, after the break. Hey, it's 1127. If you are out and about driving around and you're hungry and you're looking for a fast, casual, home-cooked meal, may I suggest Three Bay Barbecue and Bakery. This is a locally owned restaurant, Rick and Carol Gross, and it's inside the West County Phillips 66 gas station at Clayton Road and 141. It's been many years since Rick and Carol, who are fabulous people, decided to turn the service bays into a restaurant. And it is yummy. Pulled pork, chicken, brisket. They have a Philly cheesesteak sandwich, a sirloin steak wrap with Swiss cheese and sriracha, and one side for twelve ninety nine. It's affordable. The desserts are out of this world. And if you go to their website, 3 com, you can sign up for the rewards program. You can take a look at the entire menu. If you don't want to stop in and sit down for lunch, they'll have it all ready for you. 636-227-1208. 3 Bay 
Barbecue and Bakery inside the West County Phillips 66 station. If you stop in, please tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. We are so excited, as we know you are, that Karen Foss is in the studio with us. Karen is in St. Louis because KSTK started its inaugural Hall of Fame, and Karen was honored yesterday. And we are honored today, Karen, to have you here. Don't forget to mention you were also <laughs> she honored. was honored i don't know what to do with this humility karen <laughs> i was honored steve bear was yes. honored uh f- he was in the sales department the late diane white and at the start of our show we were talking about ray hofstetter oh, karen ray. and he called in oh, dear. oh good good I mean, a 97 year old man who really has lived all of television history and remembers it. That was the incredible thing. <laughs> That's what Karen and I sat around talking about. How does he do it? I don't know. You know, one of the things that you talked about yesterday, Karen, was that many people ask you, do you miss it? How long has it been, and do you miss it? Uh, well, I retired from TV in the last, almost the last day of 2006. I can't believe it's been that long because it either. still feels awfully fresh in my memory. Um, but, no, do I miss it? Very occasionally something. You know, I was telling one of the people that the one time was after the troubles in Ferguson. I I just felt in my heart that I wanted to be part of it. Mm-hmm. And it was so compelling because even though as, a, as an anchor, um, you do move around. That's part of it. You're a Kansas City native, but St. Louis has such a chunk of your heart, doesn't it? Oh, by all means. And I just felt like I would like to be part of the healing. Yeah. I mm-hmm. couldn't, I certainly couldn't have done any better job. I thought the reporting was remarkable and extremely difficult. Um, but I, and then there, there was another police incident just a few days later that I thought was equally as egregious that kind of, just disappeared you know so i i just felt like there was a lot of there was plenty of work to go around i guess that's how to say it and uh, i would have but otherwise no i don't miss it and i think the important thing i'm talking with friends about this is that when you do retire i think it's so essentially you have something you're retiring to not just from you know we all get worn down with the grind and hate getting up in the morning or Whatever it is that makes your job difficult, some coworker, whatever, and you just say, "Oh, I got to get out of here." But if you don't have something you're going to do at the other end, I've seen people they go crazy and they're really unhappy. Well, you have set an example here because Karen now lives with her husband in Santa Fe and is a working artist. But your art goes back a long way, doesn't it? Well, I had an interest. I mean, I really I was an art student when I found my way into communications. Uh, I wanted to take a photography class at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, and it was offered not in the art department where I expected it, but over in communications. So I got in there, took that class, and just the more I was exposed to it, I thought, well, I love to write. I like the visuals, and so now we have visual storytelling and I thought, this is working. You know, I think I could really make a career of this, and I had two young kids to support so that happened to be very important, you know. Um, being a starving artist in the attic probably wasn't a cup of mustard. So, so this this had job potential. Okay, so then you retired and went back to your art. And yes. Karen had an art show here 
a couple of years ago. Tell us about mm-hmm. your art and why you chose Santa Fe. Um, they they go together because Santa Fe is known as kind of a mecca of artists, and I wanted to study painting and return to my art. And with so many terrific artists there, I just figured there has to be good instruction. So, and I I think it is true. I mean, I've had some wonderful teachers, and um, and. Classmates, I think I've told you that Gene Hackman was in one of my classes. Wow. Wow. Repeatedly, we happened to study with the same teacher. The man is a fabulous artist. He works mostly charcoal, does portraits. He's really, really good. But I remember walking into class and looking, and I'm not a movie fan particularly, and I hadn't seen him, and I, but I saw him in this class, and I thought, you know, he looks, he looks like an older, older Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? He was an older Gene Hackman. So, so that was great. So I just thought that the two would fit together, and when I moved to Santa Fe, I found I had vacationed there a lot. Um, I loved the climate. I liked the lack of humidity. I liked the mountains. I liked the we live at almost 7,000 feet. It's a whole different feeling, mm-hmm. and uh, I like it. When it comes to finding that passion, mm-hmm. that post-retirement passion, um, do you? I, I think there are a lot of people who think, oh, I'll wait until I'm retired. Do you encourage people to maybe get started a little bit sooner than retirement? Because I would probably become, you know, analysis paralysis. I'd think of everything and then yes. I wouldn't end up doing anything. So I think you I think you're wise. I, I found it hard to really pursue my art training and work. I just didn't have sufficient energy to spread it around to mothering and home building and all that. Uh, but I did do a little bit. I used to sit on the set and do sketches of my coworkers, you know, on the scripts. Wow. <laughs> some they liked and some they were not flattered. <laughs> but but I do agree with you that you need to, But don't wait too long. You know, one of my favorite things is, you know, do it today because tomorrow it may be too late. That's I right. had always, in the back of my head, because this was a very youthful plan of mine, uh, I dreamed to be an architect, and I thought, well, I'll do that someday, you know, when I retire from TV. Well, no, because by the time I retired, I was too old to really get the rigorous education, the training, and the long period that you have to work to be licensed. I didn't have time. Wow. And that was sobering. That said, what you may not know about Karen Foss is that she can build things and fix things, and when you talk about flipping houses, Karen is right there with the contractors. <laughs> How did you learn all that? I can't fix a thing. I Well, <laughs> what do they say? Necessity <laughs> is the mother of invention. Um, I grew up in a household where my stepfather, my grandfathers were all home carpentry kind of people, and they let me hang around, and so you just kind of absorb some of it. But the other part is... There was no money to hire someone to fix something. And I can fix about anything that's mechanical. Now, if it's digital, I'm just lost. I don't know where to start. But if I can see, you know, okay, it has this little gear and it has that little band and this is what needs to happen and something's not working, I can generally figure that out. I identify with John Carney's wife, 
who I understand. <laughs> I remember seeing on Facebook that she was building Built a their deck, deck yeah. a fireplace. Yeah. Suze not... is amazing. Okay, I want to talk about how you watch news now because Ooh. Wendy and I have had this discussion, and Karen and I have had this discussion. Yeah. I had to go a long time without watching. I took a nine month I called information vacation, mm. where I didn't subscribe to the paper, I didn't watch TV. And it wasn't so much deliberate. It was just kind of like, I'm out of here. I'm going to clear my head. And then something happened, maybe curious, and I bought a television but <laughs> and subscribed to the paper, which I do. And my husband also worked in TV news, so he's probably a bigger news junkie than I am. But we do watch a lot. It's different, I have to tell you. I'm very proud of KSDK. In New Mexico, there are only stations in Albuquerque. And they have to serve all of New Mexico, northern Texas, and southern Colorado. That's a big mm-hmm. territory. So they're spread very, very thin, and it sometimes shows in the coverage. I thought it was so wonderful at KSDK to see the new generation and the young people. And they one thing spectacular. that impressed me was that Karen was explaining to everyone about how it was the whole crew that made it possible for her as the leader to do her job well. And Karen was thanking every single person behind the scenes and those who sat next to her. And somebody else of a certain age said that was so appreciated because Uh maybe young people don't have that perspective. They're young. Well, I, I think they're focused on learning their role and getting ahead. And I think when I was there, I would have been the same way. Mm -hmm. I think it's with probably experience and time that you grow that appreciation for your coworkers. And I I recall when I was in school one time having a painting teacher, and several of us were really unhappy with her. We went to our supervisor and said, you know, we don't think we're getting anything out of her class. He said, there is no one teaching here you can't learn from. And I think the same is true when you work in television. You may not appreciate what that person's doing or why they have that job, but everybody has to be there or it doesn't work. It's a team sport. It is. That was my saying. It's a television, it's a team sport, and it has to be. And at my age, I never had the opportunity (coughs) to take part in a team sport pre Title IX. Oh, I know. Television news was my first experience about rescue anchoring, saving the person next to you if you see they're going to drown. But let's talk about one of the young MCs yesterday who's a weekend anchor, Mercedes McKay. I think that's right. Uh, after you were saying you didn't miss people, viewers commenting on... <laughs> your hair, your wardrobe. <laughs> your earrings. Yes, your earrings. That's right. I, I left that one out. Yeah. Uh, your age. Uh you know, your your face broke out. You, you, you look you look anorexic. You look fat. I mean, right. You look yeah. fat. Like, okay, I know I've gained weight. Thank you for telling me. Yeah, right. I didn't notice. Yeah. But the young Mercedes McKay said, well, Karen, some things have never changed as far as the hair goes. But then you and I were talking. But they have it with social media, yes, which is much right. harder, right. I think, than the crummy mail we got. But I yell at the TV when I see poor lighting. I do, too. Or I see I the wrong, what I think is the wrong outfit. Or bad grammar. I well, bad grammar. I feel we have a right there. But <laughs> when when I am commenting on the light, yelling at the TV, poor Mark, because I'm oh, and he's he said, "You want me to turn this off?" 
<laughs> it's agree. difficult. Well, lighting is the biggest thing that does drive me crazy because it makes all the difference in the world. You could take you could take a beautiful Mercedes McKay, mm-hmm. not a line on her face, gorgeous complexion. You put her in bad lighting, yeah, she's gonna lose it, and it's just. Or you can take. Somebody with lots of wrinkles and, <laughs> and give them good lighting and you enhance them. You are an observer, really, by trade when you think about it. I mean, that's it, it's observational uh, what you did for all those years. Are there things, Karen, that you are happy to see in terms of developments? Uh, are there things that you are not happy to see when it comes to developments? And I mean in the broader sense. Not journalistically, just nationally, just oh, internationally. Boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. I'm sorry, sorry. that's not fair. Karen, we want you to stay. So let's think about that question. And 84126, the World Banks, Missouri text line is open if you have any questions for Karen. Uh, We've got to do a little bit of business here and then we'll come back. Want to tell you about Baldwin Dental Care. Uh, Wendy and I have so much in common. And a couple of years ago, we both discovered that our dentist had retired and we were looking for new ones. And Baldwin Dental Care is owned and operated by Dr. Kimberly Simons. It's the largest female owned dental practice in the state of Missouri. And Dr. Kim told us there was a time where she was like, no way am I going into this business because she grew up in a dental practice. Well, she owns it now, took it over for her dad, and it is fantastic. And they have a new patient special, a comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning for $99 or $100 credit on your account. I'm a mess in the dental chair. But when you walk into Baldwin Dental, they hand you a comfort menu, and they ask, do you want a blankie? Do you want the dentist to explain every single thing? Would you like headphones and listen to music or watch a movie, which is really popular with little children. They go out of their way to make you feel comfortable while giving you the gold standard in dental care. New patient special right now, a comprehensive exam, four x-rays, an oral cancer screening, and a cleaning, all for $99 or $100 credit on your account. The easiest thing is to just Google Baldwin Dental Care. And when you stop in, will you please tell them Jennifer and Wendy sent you. McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care is part of the Gatesworth communities. And both Wendy and I have had this experience where we had to find places for our late parents. And I'll tell you the worst is when a place like that is owned by a national company. There's nobody local on site. And you can't get in touch with someone when you're unhappy. That is not true with McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care. It is local. And they have won awards for their fantastic care. Yes, they have. McKnight Place Assisted Living has luxury apartments ranging in size from large suites to two-bedroom apartments with a range of options for square footage. Each unit includes beautiful crown molding and wood-style flooring, kitchens with custom wood cabinetry, and granite countertops, full-size refrigerators, spacious bathrooms, very, very nice large windows providing natural light, and nine-foot ceilings. One of the difficult things about this transition, leaving your home and going into an assisted living or memory care facility, community, is that a lot of people have already experienced losses. Perhaps they've lost a spouse. They've lost their home. And then they're moving into an assisted living or memory care community, and they feel lost. At McKnight Place Assisted Living and Memory Care, they go out of their way to make sure people are engaged, they are social, they meet their neighbors, and they stay present, and they're happy. So call Leslie, Kelly, or Gretchen today to schedule a tour at 314 993 
3333. It's easy to remember. 314-993-3333. And if you tell them that Jennifer and Wendy sent you, you will receive a special offer. We're so happy to have Karen Foss in the studio with us. Karen, uh, inducted into the inaugural KOSTK Hall of Fame. I was happy to be there with her. And you all, Jennifer, you she can't was also skip You were also inducted. Yes, I was we inducted yesterday. The initial class. Steve Bear, the late Diane White, mm-hmm. and Ray Hofstetter, who we talked to at the beginning of the hour. But, you know, we were talking about viewer response to people on television and the young people there were saying they they still have the same challenges possibly worse for them because of social media but i do remember karen this one group of ladies who always watched and i kind of considered them my stylists because (laughs) they would say jennifer you must really love that silk blouse you've worn it eight times this month (laughs) I don't think I ever knew anyone who was watching me that closely. <laughs> I remember when you wore the squiggle pin. Do oh you remember gosh. that pin? It was was it Paloma Picasso? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, because yeah. people were like, "What did you did you did you see her? Did you see what she was wearing?" <laughs> we were she calling it the Karen Foss pin. Yes. Everybody yes. wanted it. So funny. I meant to wear that the other day. I thought it would be kind of funny, but it's really people don't wear brooches right now. It's I'm saving mine because they may come back. You never know. I think they will come back. Now, you live in Santa Fe now. Mm -hmm. And aside from the people in St. Louis who I know you miss and many people miss you, are there things about St. Louis and you grew up in Kansas City or the Midwest that you miss? One, you know, one thing among many, but one thing that has been on my mind and I'm planning, I want to go to the Hill and get some Italian sausage. Because I'm telling you, in the grocery, New Mexico has wonderful food. Don't get me wrong. And I love it, but they don't have good Italian sausage. And I, uh, so I need to go get some and take it home with me. Mm. You probably have plenty of chorizo to choose from, yes, but, yes. but not the Italian sausage. It's different, well, yeah. and of course, as everyone knows, but I really want it. So I'm going to tighten my question yes, a little about, bit in terms of like things that you look back on and you think, oh, wow, this is really an area of our lives that, that we see improving. Um, socially, just in any which way? If, if there's, well, there are, uh, I think probably for me, and I'm just off the top of my head, Wendy, reacting to that. And I, I do think there are improvements. There are also so many things that I look around and I think, ooh, we need to work on this. But I I think there's a greater awareness, awareness of personal health. Mm. I think that is one positive thing. I think there's more open conversation, if not, total acceptance of varying sexualities that, you know, when I was a kid, um, you, you just didn't even talk about no. these things. And same way as serious illness. I mean, when I was growing up, I mean, I just hate to sound like this old person, but you wouldn't have said breast cancer. No. Mm-hmm. The word was just kind of taboo. That's right. And uh, so testicular cancer? No, Mm-mm. we wouldn't be. And if somebody... Um, was having mental health challenges, well, maybe they'd go away for a break, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or the other term that you would hear under serious circumstances, a breakdown. But that doesn't really tell anybody anything. And it's not helpful. That That is so true. One of the stories you did that I loved was when you went with your daughter, Carrie, to China. Mm-hmm. And Carrie adopted a Chinese Carol. baby girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. Caroline, who's now, prepare yourself, 22. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I know. You know, when you 
see somebody like that. They're locked in your mind as that little chubby little baby. No, no, no. This is elegant, brilliant 22-year-old. When did Caroline look at the story? She is uh, very private, and I think she has her own copy, and so I don't know, you know, <laughs> uh, when or where she might watch it. She, I, I certainly know she's seen it, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know. That was such a trip. It was such a trip. And for me, I'd never been in Asia of any kind. And it's so different. I mean, when you're in Europe, you can kind of figure out the language. You know, right. you, you get to know a few words. You can read the menu. In China, I couldn't tell anything. I mean, this might have said, danger one way, don't come in here. And I just plunge <laughs> in. But I saw so many amazing things, you know, like these space age skyscrapers going up and the scaffolding that the guys were climbing on was lashed together bamboo oh, and it's wow. a, the contrast just kind of boggled my mind and then and next to uh, high rises you'd have a little hovel that was basically carved out of the side of the hill it, it was just such a world of contrasts mm-hmm we don't have enough time, but I will tell you, and I've, I've met him a few times, um, you will be happy to know that Karen is extraordinarily happy with her Larry. Oh, yeah. You two are just perfect oh, for each Karen other. Karen Foss and Larry Ross. Is that funny? He has a Willard background. Scott, yeah. his best friend, and he was his producer. Yeah. Larry worked for Willard, produced um, he for the Today Show, and then also... Uh, produced a program that just never got off the ground that was uh, going to be a Willard program. So they were very, very, very close. And you ended up together. What do we call that, Jennifer? Molecules. (laughs) Synchronicity, I think. Perfect. Well, Karen Foss, congratulations. We both enjoyed being at KSDK yesterday. Enjoy the rest of your time in St. Louis because St. Louis loves you. Oh, thank you. I, I think you'll agree with me that when we saw those young people yesterday, Casey Case in good hands. Yes, I think so. There's Thanks for impressive. listening, everyone. John Thanks. Carney, Julie Buck up next. And before you know it comes the time we have to say so.